0: Alright, thank you Brother Pittman, it is an honor to be here, it's an honor to be mentioned in the same sentence with Brother Hensley, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's exciting, thank you Brother Pittman for inviting Vicky and me to be here, and uh, celebrate, and, and be part of the homecoming activities today, 116 years, that's a lot of history, and uh, God has blessed this church, and um, God's given you a wonderful pastor. Uh, he taught me first-year Greek in, in uh, Temple Baptist College, something I use nearly every day. And uh, and I've enjoyed our friendship over the years. And we went visiting together, as he mentioned. And uh, this is where I got my start, really. Um, I appreciate Brother Hensley having enough confidence in me to... to uh, Invite me to be the assistant pastor, in 1983 to 1988. And uh, back then, the kids were real small. And now we've got Jessica here from Columbus, Ohio. She and her husband and kids are here, and and um, so it's been a blessing. You took us under your wing. I knew I knew nothing really, and you had patience, and you you um, you worked with us, and I appreciate that. And I learned tremendous lessons here from Brother Hensley that that helped me in uh, my ministry and I think helped me to avoid a lot of the problems that young pastors have in their first church. So it is a joy and an honor to be back here with you. Take your Bible this morning. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 55, Isaiah 55 this morning. While you're doing that, let me thank you for praying for me. Uh, I've got stage four melanoma, and I've been battling that for three years. And uh, we are trusting the Lord for healing, and uh, our times are in his hands, what God's word says, and we understand that, certainly believe that. And uh, several of you, many of you have come up and said we've been praying for you, and I appreciate that. I'm taking medicine number six and number seven right now, which tells you that number one, two, three, four, and five did not work. And uh, so we're praying that uh, six and seven will work. The uh, so far so good. The little lumps are gone. The big lumps are shrinking slowly. And uh, and so we pray that that continues. Uh, the fine print on those medicines, says that in six to eight months my body will become resistant to it and it will stop working, but maybe with two it will confuse my body enough that it will go for a year, year and a half, and maybe work. So keep praying, and I'll probably say more about that in the afternoon. In your Bibles you're looking at Isaiah 55, look in verse 6. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your way, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and bringeth it forth, and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I send it. I love those words in verse 7. Uh, Return to the Lord, for he will abundantly pardon. When I think of earthly pardons and I think of people forgiving others, I think of the uh, a situation I heard about in South Africa years ago. A scene is a courtroom in South Africa, and the frail black woman stands slowly to her feet. She's over seventy years old, and she is facing the man who murdered her son and her husband. Uh, the white man and his white security officers came to their home, took away the son, uh, shot him point blank, killed him, put his uh, burned his body, while they partied on the riverbank. Sometime later, they took her husband, and uh, and put him on the river bank, and they came and got her, and she stood there while they poured gasoline on his body, and lit the fire, and uh, the last words she heard from her husband were the words, Father, forgive them. The trial is basically over, the men have confessed, and the woman faces the man who Killed her husband and her son. And the judge says, What do you want? What do you want? And she says, I want three things. She said, I want someone to take me to the riverbank so I can gather the dust from the from my husband and my son's body and give it a give it a decent burial. She said. I want, secondly, this man to visit me twice a month in the ghetto where I live and I want, him, I want to make him a son to me. I want to pour out my love on him as I would have to my son and my husband were they alive today. And thirdly, would someone come over and lead me to him? I want to hug him and tell him I forgive him for what he has done to our family. And the bailiff comes over and leads her. And on the way across the courtroom, he faints. I mean, the forgiveness, the pardon from this woman was something that he was not expecting. And, he goes, and she goes over and she hugs the man. She says, I forgive you. She says, that's what my husband would have wanted. And she said, I've been the Lord has forgiven me for so much, the least I can do is forgive you. And slowly in the courtroom, quietly, reverently, amazing grace. Someone started singing amazing grace. And the folks sitting in the courtroom sang, sang along with him in that song. And it is amazing that a woman could forgive the man who killed her husband and her son. What a great example of forgiveness. What a great example of pardon. But I want to show you a picture of a greater pardon this morning. On a hill outside of Jerusalem, a Savior died on a cross. Died for the pardon of all who would trust Jesus as Savior down through the years. He suffered though he had done no wrong. Trust him as your Savior and receive that pardon. My purpose today is to exalt the pardoning and forgiveness of God as I try to speak on our pardoning God. Now turn with me to Psalm 2511, please. Psalm 2511. I want to say first of all that God's pardon... Had a great cost. God's pardon has a great cost. Psalm 25, 11, for thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. I don't know about you. Well, I do. You could say that along with me. I mean everybody here could say, Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. And a great and great iniquity requires great pardon. And thank God, he's a God of great pardon. He will abundantly pardon, the uh, introductory verses said. Earthly pardons are cheap. Our president can pardon federal criminals, those who have broken federal laws. I suspect probably applications are filled out. I suspect that a staffer, a low-level staffer, reads a thousand applications and says, Mr. President, these are the ones I recommend you look at. And the president signs whichever ones he wants. And presidential pardon goes out. But the president does not have to give up one of his children. Uh, president Bill Clinton pardoned 459 people during his years as president. But they didn't come and say, President, since you're pardoning all these people, someone's got to die for them and we're going to take Chelsea and uh, you know, put her on a cross. No, of course not. God's pardon comes at a great cost, greater than the pardon that uh, we often see here on the earth. You think of God's infinite holiness, you think of God's perfect justice, and, and you remember what God had to do to pardon sinners. An infinitely great price had to be paid for our salvation. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He who from eternity dwelt with the Heavenly Father must be surrendered to come down to the earth to die for sinners. See him bowed in the Garden of Gethsemane as the stress and the pressure cause capillaries to break and his sweat becomes as drops of blood. See him tied to the pillar as the scourge runs across his quivering back. And they pull the scourge away and it rips flesh off the back. Muscles are revealed. Tendons and ligaments are seen. Bodily, uh, internal organs are, are seen. And say to yourself, my pardon costs that. Follow him as he begins that long weary walk to Calvary. Carrying the heavy cross. Look as he hangs on the cross. He can barely breathe. He must straighten up his legs and push himself up in order for the diaphragm and everything to work so he can breathe. His scourged back rubs against the rough, rugged cross. And say to yourself, my pardon caused that. Oh, the greatness of God's pardoning love. Man derided God's word, man crucified the Savior, man killed God's prophets and God's men. And yet to them God said, come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. God's pardon had an extremely high cost. Secondly, Nehemiah 9.17, please. Nehemiah chapter 9, 17. Secondly, God pardons willingly. God pardons willingly. Nehemiah was recounting the history of Israel. And in Nehemiah nine seventeen, he says, And refused to obey, neither were mindful of thy wonders as thou didst among them, but hardened their necks, and in their rebellion appointed a captain to return to their bondage. But notice this but thou art a god ready to pardon gracious and merciful slow to anger and of great kindness and forsakest them not some human pardons do not come very easily you have to kind of draw it out of the person often man's forgiveness is kind of an ugly forgiveness It beats the offender over the head with the offense. It constantly reminds the offender that he's been forgiven. It's proud of its forgiving and lets everyone know how different our Lord's pardon. One time Jesus was invited to a banquet at the house of Simon the Pharisee a woman timidly entered the door, went through the door, came in. She was a sinner, a disgraceful woman. She had a bad reputation. Most of the people at the dinner avoided her because they knew her background. She remembered her past. She was repentant and hoped for mercy. And big tears started to fall as she sat at the Savior's feet. And those tears dripped on his feet and she took her hair and wiped his feet. People were shocked that Jesus would allow a woman like that to even get near him or touch him. The host of the dinner knew about the woman. He thought to himself, if Jesus was a prophet, he'd know about this woman. he wouldn't let her touch him. And of course, Jesus knew his thoughts. Jesus perceived his thoughts and rebuked him and turned to the woman and said, your sins are forgiven, go in peace. Tenderness, the tender pardon, the willingness to pardon. On another instance, they brought a woman caught in adultery, cast her at Jesus' feet. Master, she said, uh, Moses' law said she should be stoned. What do you think? Trying to pin him against Moses. And Jesus stooped down, wrote in the dirt, and said, Let him that is without sin cast the first stone. And one by one they left, and Jesus stood up and said, Where are you? Uh, Isn't there anybody here to accuse you? And she said, No, man, Lord. And he said, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. God pardons willingly. God's pardon. Cost a lot. Thirdly, Matthew 18:21, please, Matthew 18:21. God pardons frequently. God pardons aren't you glad God pardons over and over again? Aren't you glad that after you were saved, God didn't say, okay I'm going to pardon you five times, but after that that's it, you lost your salvation. No. Over and over again, day by day, we're constantly being forgiven and pardoned by the Lord. Matthew eighteen twenty one. then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, so I say not unto thee till seven times, but until seventy times seven. You see, Peter, said, Peter thought if he would forgive somebody seven times, that would be pretty good. Uh, seven times sounded like a, uh, quite a number of times to forgive someone. How much greater the divine idea of forgiveness? And Jesus said, no, no, not seven, but 70 times seven. Keep on forgiving. God's pardon never runs out. God pardons frequently. John Newton, the writer of Amazing Grace said, I'm downright staggered at the exceeding riches of his grace. How Christ can go on pardoning day after day, hour after hour. Sometimes I feel almost afraid to ask for a fresh pardon because I'm so ashamed. Any believer could say that. But thank God John, 1 John 1, seven is there. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship One with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. And it's in the present tense. He continually cleanses. He keeps on cleansing. Sins in the past have been cleansed. Sins in the present are being cleansed. Sins in the future will be cleansed. God pardons frequently. Number four. Jeremiah 33.8, please. Jeremiah 33.8. God pardons completely. God pardons completely. One time a guy went to work and he was talking to his buddy. And he said, yeah, my wife and I had an argument last night. And the buddy said, "Uh, what happened? And the man said, "Uh, she got all historical. And he said, you mean hysterical, right? No, he says she got historical. She brought up everything I've ever done, you know, in the last 20 years since we've been married. <laughs> and, 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 and human pardons are often like that. Aren't you glad that when God pardons, he pardons completely? Jeremiah 33, 8. And I will cleanse them from all their iniquity, whereby they have sinned against me. And I will pardon all their iniquities all their iniquities whereby they have sinned and whereby they have transgressed against me. Sometimes man's forgiveness is not real forgiveness. I forgive, but I sure can't forget. Well, I'm sure glad God forgives and forgets. God's pardon is complete. He never brings up those old sins again. They're forever settled, uh, Brother Kittle. That's forever settled. That salvation is forever settled. Never to be brought up again. The words in the Bible indicate that. For one thing, those sins are covered. But better than that, they're washed away and blotted out. Never to be revealed again. We're told they are separated from us like the east is from the west. And that's an infinite distance. We're told they are thrown to the bottom of the deepest sea. Never to be dredged up. And the deepest sea is deeper than Mount Everest is tall. By at least 500 feet or so. The distance is boundless. The sins are gone. And, and, and the verse we just read said all their sins. Not some of them, but all of them. In conclusion, believer, Rejoice. You're surrounded by pardons. One of the Puritans said, pardons line the road to heaven. And that's certainly true. Lost sinner, there's hope for you. Maybe you're here and you said, I could sure use a pardon from God. I don't know what you've done. You may say there's no sinner in this building as bad as I am. You're a great candidate for God's pardons. No one's as bad as I am. Yeah, but no God is uh, is as pardoning as our God. No God is like our God. If there is an incomparable uh, sinner in the room today, let me point you to an incomparable Savior who died on the cross for sinners. And his pardons are more numerous than your sins are. Years ago, the governor of Texas, Governor Neff, N-E-F-F, went to one of the state penitentiaries. He delivered a speech, and he said, I'm going to stay here for a little while if any of you want to talk to me. And you can imagine the convicts lining up. I was framed. My lawyer was, my my state-appointed lawyer was no good. And, uh, and, and yet one man finally got a chance to speak to the governor. And he said, I just want to tell you, I'm guilty. I did what they accused me of, and what I was convicted of. But I believe I've paid for it. If I were freed, I would do everything I could to be a good citizen and prove myself worthy of your mercy. At the appropriate time, one man was pardoned. Governors, or a, a, yeah, a governor pardoned. The man who admitted it said, oh, yeah, I'm guilty, I'm guilty." No one is saved until they are willing to say, yeah, "I'm guilty." Yeah, oh. All of sin come short of the glory of God. That means really everybody is guilty before they're saved. but thank God. For the blood of Christ, that washes away sin. But one thing about a pardon, it must be accepted. Back in the early 1800s, George Wilson robbed a train and killed a federal marshal who was guarding a payroll, a federal pay- payroll of some kind. Andrew Jackson was the president and the the man was sentenced to be hanged. He should have been. He was sentenced to be hanged. But there was an uproar about capital punishment at that time and Andrew Jackson pardoned the man. But he refused to accept the pardon. I don't want it. I don't want to be pardoned. And a the case became so legally confusing, I went to the Supreme Court. If a pardon is not accepted, is it no good, or is it still good, and we don't hang him? You know, what do we do? No one knew. And finally, in the end, Chief Justice John Marshall delivered the opinion, quote, a pardon is a paper whose only value must be determined by the receiver of the pardon. You've got to receive it for it to be effectual. The chief, Marsh, the chief justice of the Supreme Court said, it, is no, it has no value apart from that which the receiver gives it. George Wilson has refused to accept the pardon. We cannot conceive why he would do so, but he has. Therefore, George Wilson must die. Consequently, he was hanged. He refused to accept the pardon. Dear lost person here today, I don't know who you are. I know several people here, a lot of people here, but but I, but there's a lot of new faces. God has wonderfully blessed the ministry here and the church, and and it's good to see such a great crowd. I don't know your needs. I don't know your problems. But if there's someone here, and the Holy Spirit's working on you, and you're under conviction, and you say... Oh boy, if anybody needs a pardon from God, I sure do. The good news is, the offer goes out to everybody. Not everybody accepts it. Like George Wilson, some people reject it. That's for sissies and kids. Somebody, I could hear, you know, I could hear somebody say. But some people say, I need that. I'm lost, and, and if I die this way, I'd be in big trouble. Going to die and go to hell. I need a savior. I need a substitute. I need someone to step in and take my place. And the good news is that we have a pardoning God and he gave his only begotten son to die on the cross for sinners. Won't you trust him today? Father, we're thankful that you are a pardoning God because we sure need it. And Father, perhaps there are some in a crowd this big, no doubt there are some who have never trusted God jesus as their savior maybe they're relying on their works and they're trying to be good maybe they think going to church will get them to heaven show them this morning lord that sin is so serious that it took an infinite payment and you sent your son to make that payment speak to hearts today pray that folks who need a pardon will step out of the out of their aisle and come forward trusting jesus as savior